Well, hello everybody. Welcome to another episode of We Watch Shudder. My name is JD. Who's here with me? Hello. Hey, there he is. That's not, I mean, that's not Michelle, but... Uh, it's Michelle. Michelle is here. Uh, also joining us today uh, is Mr. Eric Morrison, uh, owner, promoter, uh, man with the plan, super genius behind... Uh, Fargo uh, and Grand Forks, North Dakota and surrounding areas, hottest indie wrestling promotion, Time Bomb Pro Wrestling, who we have been a, a proud sponsor of for several events running. Eric, thank you so much for joining us today. Man, I'm just glad this is finally happening. Happening. We've gone through a few iterations of trying to record this, and yeah, I'm just we got glad it that all it's sorted. Happening. So. Yeah, I'm happy uh, to be on here. So, uh, just a quick heads up to you guys: uh, we are recording this with a slightly different uh, uh, method and software than Michelle and I normally use. So, if you do hear any difference in the audio quality, uh, I, I apologize for that. But uh, I, I, we did a quick test, and I think it sounds good enough for uh, for uh, for you savages in internet land. Uh, no, it's it's gonna sound great. Uh, but direct uh, all your angry tweets at me. Right, absolutely. It's all Eric's fault. <laughs> what is your uh, Twitter handle, Eric? If you want uh, to go direct, uh, usually we do that at the end. What's your Twitter handle? Send them to uh, Time Bomb Pro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go to at Time Bomb Pro and tell me to die if you don't like the audio quality. It'll be fine. <laughs> uh, so uh, yeah, we've uh, we've wanted to get Eric on the show uh, for a while here. Uh, to you know, we talked with him just briefly. Uh, when we did our first live event uh, uh, with Time Bomb uh, back in uh, what was it October I think maybe September uh, August, I don't remember I yeah oh it was it uh, August, August already yeah. man we've been we've been I, I, there's been so Woo. many great times <laughs> we are uh, single handedly yeah. keeping your wrestling organization afloat you're welcome just <laughs> our <laughs> money nothing else not right. the fans yeah, nothing it's it's just us, all yeah. we watch Shutter no, uh, uh, so I, and of course everybody listening you know first of all if this is your first time tuning in surprise it's going to be a, a weird one uh, normally what we do is uh, we watch uh, new original and exclusive movies on the streaming service Shudder uh, and we talk about them because we're big horror movie fans and Shudder's awesome uh, for horror movies uh, but uh, you know we don't only like horror movies here we like all sorts of things I think before we talk about the movie, let's take just a little bit of time uh, to talk about Time Bomb Pro, uh, about who you are, uh, what Time Bomb is doing, and then we do have uh, another event coming up here in just a few days uh, that we'll talk about. Uh, but just, I guess, tell us a little bit about how, how I, let's, let's go all the way to the back, like how you originally got into pro wrestling and then where you ever got the idea of like, well, shit, I could do this. I could put on these shows. Tell us a little bit about that background. <laughs> um, yeah, so like um, my story about how I got into wrestling is probably about the same as most kids. Like um, my grandpa used to like illegally record over like WrestleMania tapes and stuff. So like he just had this <laughs> giant collection of like old WrestleManias. So I specifically remember watching um, whichever WrestleMania took place at Caesar's Palace with like all the Roman themed stuff. Oh yeah, I um, think that was uh, WrestleMania nine. It was like four. Yeah, something like that. Um, but I specifically Lex remember Luger watching and... that one. Yep. And that's kind of got me into it. And like, obviously I grew up during like ruthless aggression era. Of course. So just watching that stuff, um, I kind of fell out of it when all the stuff with Chris Benoit happened, like mm. just 
stopped watching wrestling for probably close to 10 years because I came back right around like when stuff with like the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega was kind of popping off. So around 2015, 2016. And I just got really into indie wrestling at that point. Like I started going to like FLW shows and stuff. And once that fell apart, I kind of just um, felt the need to do something. And obviously I stopped playing in bands at that point and all that. So uh, this just kind of became my new love for sure. Awesome. Yeah. And uh, so uh, the very first ever uh, Time Bomb Pro Wrestling show, uh, you guys like this. I don't think you understand like like how DIY punk rock indie this started and and where it's come to. The I, I unfortunately was not able to go to the first Time Bomb show, but the first Time Bomb show uh, it, it started out as a no ring promotion, right? Like no ring, no rules, deathmatch stuff. Uh, and they did yeah. this show in just like the back area of this just awesome, super cool, like like records and 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 uh, and antiques uh, sort of place up in Grand Forks, North Dakota, called Ohada Records, where they also run a hot dog shop. That's fucking fantastic. The place is an amazing. And, but so, I mean, that was the first event, and it was one match, right? One yeah, match so two it's bands. two. Two matches and like four two. bands, which was yeah. admittedly way too much. Like, but um, <laughs> we all live and learn, yeah, man. Yeah, exactly. It was a learning process, but yeah, I mean, it started off as no ring just because, like, admittedly, I had no money, so right, it was right. like, it was like, okay, what can I afford to lose out of pocket in case this absolutely bombs? And it didn't bomb, and now I'm stuck doing this for the rest of my life. So, oh, stuck yeah, doing I mean... this, you poor, <laughs> you poor, poor man. Uh, now, yeah, Michelle. I mean, uh, you, mm-hmm. uh, obviously you had some awareness of professional wrestling, uh, but you had mm-hmm. never gone to any kind of like small time indie pro wrestling event, uh, until we sponsored our first time bomb show back in August. Is that correct? That's correct. I watched a lot, a lot of, uh, backyard wrestling on YouTube because I think it's funny <laughs> yep. and I grew up in a trailer court. So of course I watched wrestling growing up. Hell so yeah. WCW, WWE, I high five sting when I was like 10 years old, good times. <laughs> uh, so I was definitely a huge fan when I was younger and then also just kind of stopped watching it when I got older you know, moved out of the trailer and lost interest. Weird coincidence. Um, <laughs> so I hadn't been to an indie show until looking, we did Time also, Bomb Pro Wrestling. I mean, looking Ooh. back on the, uh, on the frankly, the WWE product of the mid-2000s and that era, I can't imagine why a young lady in America might not be interested in that <laughs> particular product. You know, it's, it's, it is what it is. Yeah. But. Um, uh, and, it was a little and, problematic, but, now, like, but I'm a fan of that. Yeah, but like, uh, uh, and so... What was your experience then the first time uh, we were at Time Bomb Pro Wrestling? Uh, So like I said, I had gone to a lot of the big time wrestling stuff growing up every time they were in Fargo. We would be there at the Fargo Dome, usually um, like ringside or aisle side. We were always very, very close to the action. And Time Bomb Pro Wrestling was the best event I've ever (laughs) been to. I was so into it. And now I've been convincing a lot of friends that they need to start going to them. It's so much fun because you get the production value of a big 
wrestling thing that you would see like pay-per-view style but yet you're right there with them and it is hilarious at times it's brutal at times uh the christmas match that got postponed in january was brutal (laughs) (laughs) i've got uh definitely a couple people who i am a huge fan of now um yeah no it it was so much fun (laughs) yeah and and that's the thing is is i think for a lot of people uh, especially if you grew up in an era or you've only ever had the opportunity to see like WWE level shows and those big, you know, mm-hmm. Fargo Dome or, or arena shows uh, like, like small time indie wrestling is it's a completely different animal, right? Oh, like yeah. it's, it's so much more like, like they're like everybody in the room is, is easily connected to it. Like there's interaction between the wrestlers and the crowd. Uh, it's it's just a much more. It, it's weird to call it intimate because it's also <laughs> raucous and crazy and occasionally <laughs> stupidly violent. We'll talk about that in just a moment. Uh, I'm, yes, I'm, we will. I'm legitimately nervous about what might happen uh, on the 16th uh, in this main event coming up. Uh, but uh, no, it's uh, if you've never been to an indie pro wrestling show. Uh, so again, this is another big part of why we're talking with Eric today. There is another event coming up, Eric. It's next Thursday, the 16th, correct? Yes. Thursday, March 16th at the Sanctuary Event Center in downtown Fargo. Uh, ringside seats are sold out. VIP tables are sold out, but there are still uh, a limited number of general admission tickets left. What's the general admission ticket cost, Eric? Uh, it is $20, and it is getting down there. Um, right. Like, as we're recording, I'm getting notifications for people buying them. So, nice, nice. Um, I, I'm hoping we'll have some left at the door, but it's it's getting down there for sure. So Yeah, guys, so, I mean, I, I can't recommend enough. If you just enjoy professional wrestling, uh, grab a ticket and come see Time Bomb Pro uh, at the Sanctuary here in Fargo next Thursday. Uh, Michelle and I are going to be on hand again as a sponsor of the event. There's all sorts of other cool sponsors. And, like, the maybe you have seen some smaller independent wrestling shows in the past. This is, I have to tell you, this is a different animal. Like, those smaller promotions and things, uh, they have their place, and it, it's good that they exist. But you are going to see at Time Bomb Pro Wrestling some of the top, names working in independent wrestling right now and some of them even more than independent we had speedball mike bailey here uh just a couple of shows ago who's uh working nationally with impact wrestling uh and also just had one of the most amazing years ever uh last year uh the time bomb champion uh brian keith uh came out of uh out of uh booker t's reality of wrestling in uh in texas he's all over the country made a surprise appearance at the uh the pwg battle of los angeles this year as literally like a last minute replacement two days in and stormed that tournament had a hell of a performance we've got coming in for this event who you got coming in special for this one eric so we have a, a list of people coming in for this one. Um, so originally it was just going to be Colt Cabana, which is big enough on its own. And and if and you know indie wrestling, you know Colt Cabana, right? Like if you Colt know Cabana wrestling at all. Indie wrestling, yep, yeah, yep. And uh, ECW icon Bill Alfonso, who oh. is notorious for managing Sabu and Dude, RBD I and like I, I I can't lie. Like there's something about Fonzie that I am so maybe more than any of the other like ECW classic names you've brought in. There's something about 
getting the opportunity to meet Fonzie that I am just so <laughs> stoked on. That dude is a madman and so much fun. I'm super excited. I love it when he calls me because he's called me about five times now leading up to the event. And nice. he's just like, he's like, hey, daddy, is 420 legal in Fargo? Uh, <laughs> it is in like, my house, Bill. It is in my <laughs> house. Like, it's like, it's all good, man. I'll hook you up. But, but yeah, so originally it was supposed to just be Colt Cabana and Fonzie. And then um, AEW is actually going to be in Winnipeg the night before. So I kind of lucked into a deal having Bryce Remsburg. He's going to be the official referee for Time Bomb that night. Nice. And then we he's going to do have... the whole show. No, no. Oh, I was going to say, half Jesus, half, that yeah. poor man. I hope you're paying him well. <laughs> <laughs> and then we have uh, the legendary Christopher Daniels from ROH, TNA, AEW, you name it. He's been everywhere. So, um, and that match, I mean, Christopher Daniels versus Kevin Koo, talk about a barn burner. Yeah, I mean, guys, gonna... uh, Kevin Koo is another name uh, very much uh, up and coming in indie wrestling, if you're not super familiar. The man is incredibly athletic. Uh, he's hard hitting. Uh, he's part of the Violence is Forever stable with Dominic Guarini, and and I think there's a couple other guys involved there. Please don't sue me for not knowing all the specifics. Uh, but uh, uh, no, that match is going to be awesome. Uh, Bryce Remsburg is uh, awesome as a referee. I've always been I've been entertained by him since like I, he was uh, in a couple of the matches on the first Combat Zone wrestling tape I saw back in like 2005. Hell yeah! And he's been he's <laughs> been around since forever. Uh, and he's so funny uh, and seems like a real fun loving kind of guy. And and that, what I also love about that is like what that does is it also acknowledges that yeah I mean this is wrestling right. Uh, but there's more to wrestling than just the wrestlers, right? There are all these tertiary things, and, and we're even bringing in those people to be part of, of what's going on here. Uh, because, man, uh, I, I mean, in my time, I've seen a number of different uh, independent companies try to come through the Fargo area and, you know, have a, a, a certain amount of success and whatnot. Uh, but I can tell you for sure there has never been anything like Time Bomb in this area ever before. Uh, I don't know if there was ever a time where there could have been, right? Like, independent <laughs> wrestling is so hot right now uh, that, like, Time Bomb really, like, you you struck at the right moment. You know, it, it, was, it was perfect timing. Uh, I see more and more people at the shows all the time. Uh, yeah, this is going to be super, super fun. I'm very excited about it. Yeah, man. Like, I, I feel like if I tried to do this in, like, 2018 or anything, like, kind of when FLW was hot and like FLW absolutely was a success at its time. And oh, for like, sure. It had its place. And, and it, you know, like Fargo is definitely more of a WWE legend and like all mm -hmm. local kind yeah. of place. But I just, I couldn't forgive myself if I just like gave up on time, but like, I would rather just stop doing time, Bob, than do anything different than what we're doing right, right. now. Like I want to make sure that, Top to bottom, like you said, managers, referees, talent, everybody. I want to make sure that we're doing everything top notch and that it's the way that you see it. Like, I, it's just, um, I don't know how to put it, but there's definitely a clear number one in North Dakota wrestling. Oh, yeah. yeah. I say there's, that without no even question about it because I. Because I just know how much we put into everything, so well, and, for sure. And, so. and that's not even you know saying that there aren't other you know groups that are perfectly worth you know buying a ticket to and going to see. Uh, but oh, I, yep. I, I personally have been to shows from a number of those promotions and I can tell you with my own two eyes like time bomb is where it's happening 
right now. This... There's there's literally nothing compared to like listening to a full sanctuary event center. It's chanting time bomb. Pro it's while wild. Crazy man. is going on. Like it it's just a totally different thing, and that's totally fine. Everybody has their spot. And For sure, I'm okay with it. So right. so we did mention uh, uh, a while back that we were going to uh, to talk about violence because uh, <laughs> time bomb pro definitely has its roots in in deathmatch type wrestling. Right, no ring, no rules, ultra violence. Uh, because that's something that you can do a lot easier in a no ring environment, right? There's the, it's there it, it lends itself to that a, a bit easier, uh, and of course has grown and and becomes far more than just a, a deathmatch promotion in the last few years. Uh, but um, <laughs> this main event you have coming up. <laughs> Uh, so they've done some crazy shit at Time Bomb, right? We we I don't know how I still not sure how he did it, but we managed to get a cage inside the sanctuary for a cage match. <laughs> uh, I've seen guys fall on fork boards. Uh, I've seen guys fall on on uh, you know light tubes, thumbtacks. We're doing <laughs> no ropes barbed wire match. They're gonna take the ropes off the ring and wrap the ring in barbed wire. For this match between Badger Briggs and Damon Spriggle. Now, I am a fan of both of these uh, wrestlers. I actually saw uh, Badger and Spriggle have a no ring death match at the aquarium. I believe it was uh, a couple of years ago. I have photos with both Probably, of them from after yeah. the match. Yep. Uh, these two, I don't know what their deal is, uh, but they have gotten progressively more and more and more violent, right? And the moment you say no ropes barbed wire, of course, the first thing I think of, and I'm sorry, Michelle, that we're nerding out on some wrestling here right now. Uh, I don't uh, but of mind. Course, the I'm first saving thing, all my words for the movie. Uh, the, the first thing I think of is Born to be Wired, right? Sabu and Terry Funk Absolutely. in ECW. Yep. The, without question, and like I've seen some crazy shit, right? I've seen guys do some real, frankly, what I feel is kind of dumb, but if you're willing to do it for my amusement, whatever, man. Your, your, your life, your choice. I've seen some guys do some crazy shit, and I have seen some guys get real hurt. I don't think I've ever been more terrified for wrestlers' safety than in that barbed wire match with Terry Funk and, and Sabu. <laughs> Those guys got so fucking tangled. Like, oh my god. And and because I know the level that Badger and Spriggle have gone to, like, I am... I am real anxious about what we're going to see. Uh, I Because, uh, I, I mean, you're talking yeah. about Bart, man, even, look, we all know what wrestling is, right? But there are only so many things you can plan for, right? You there, you can't fake barbed wire. No, like, you can't. No way around what's what's going to happen is going to happen. And, yep, God yep. damn, it, it could be intense. Yeah, I mean, like, this match hasn't happened in Time Bomb Pro for a reason. I mean, we've been around for almost five years we've done pretty much every gimmick match there is like you, you named it steel cage, oh, yeah. all these different types of death I, matches, I watched whatever. Ricky Norin take a weed whacker to the arm at Ohana records <laughs> up in grand forks, right? They've done crazy shit. And it still all feels kind of, um, minor compared to a no roast barbed wire match. Because yeah. like you said, barbed wire is just so unpredictable. Like right. Badger's got a mullet. That's long hair. You have no clue what's going to happen when she goes into that barbed wire. Her hair is going to get stuck. With yeah. Her. We're probably going to end up having to cut these two out of the wire with the way that they've been going at each other oh, for right. yeah. probably eight months now. So yeah, I, I don't think people are prepared for what they're going to see. It's, 
it's going to be legendary for sure. And I mean, I haven't wanted to do this match because it's so dangerous. And also because I feel like this is the feud ender. Like there's nothing. Where, yeah, I mean, yeah, I got, I sure match. hope so. Yep. Like where can we possibly go from here? <laughs> you right? can't go up. And, and they've been, be. they've been awesome. Uh, like uh, Damon Spriggle really, really, really won me over. Uh, uh, during the, uh, the pandemic era, you guys did some shows, uh, that were like internet live streams from, uh, oh, from the, yeah. the time yeah. bomb dungeon or whatever it was. <laughs> uh, and I believe he had a match with Matt justice and yep. Matthew yep. justice, God bless him. Whooped the dog shit out of that boy. <laughs> Just beat the Christ out. Of, and look, man, I, I don't know what it is, but there's something to me about especially a young dude like that who will he, he he will go out there and let you take it to him and just yep. keeps coming back. I, I I'm sold on that dude. Now his attitude's a bit of a problem, right? He's a, he's a little full of himself. <laughs> he needs to get his shit figured out. Uh, but uh, yeah, and the then whole... Badger is is uh, she's insane. I'm I, I don't know <laughs> because and again look like I said you know there. Uh, like, like, first of all, I don't care. Like it's like, it's real barbed wire. <laughs> all right. I don't know. Yeah. I don't yep. know what to tell you at this point. You either believe <laughs> it or you don't. Uh, it's real barbed wire. Uh, and, and that's, I, I, I don't even want to think about it anymore. I, I, it's going to be nuts. Michelle, you had never seen any kind of real aggressive deathmatch stuff up close and personal until you came to time bomb. Uh, how do you yeah. feel just about the idea of yeah, we're gonna take the ropes down and we're just gonna wrap the ring in barbed wire and see what happens. I didn't know that was happening until you talked about it <laughs> a couple minutes ago. And uh, I don't know if you saw my faces, but I saw my faces and I could not stop my faces because oh dear God! Oh, it's gonna be <laughs> no. it's gonna be gruesome. And I didn't realize it was Badger and Spriggle, and I have watched those two. <laughs> Yeah. Over the last couple matches, be brutal. Badger got brutalized at the last one, and this is going to be uh, the revenge story. And dear God, I did yeah. not know. It's going to be excited. something. I like horror movies, so I'm a fan of blood. Let's do right. it. Right. Uh, let's hope they have their life insurance in order. Um, yeah. Just in case. So yeah, that's next Thursday, March 16th, three sixteen, baby. Uh, uh, at the Sanctuary Event Center here in Fargo. You can buy your tickets online. Uh, probably the easiest way, just Google Time Bomb Pro, and you'll find... Oh, no, did we lose Eric? Oh, shoot. Oh, uh, am I back? Okay. Oh, you are back. Oh, yeah. sorry about that. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, it's Woo! cool. I was just like, oh, man, did we? we are we going to have to do this in two parts? But was uh, like, I'm here to talk about wrestling. Yeah. I don't care about the movie. Right? Out, bitches. Yeah, so, yeah, probably just, just Google Time Bomb Pro, one word, Time Bomb. Uh, your their their website will come up. You buy your tickets right there. Uh, my guess is you're probably not going to be able to get them at the door. Uh, so so get them uh, purchased. Yeah, now. I mean, there's a there's a small chance, but right uh, now it's they're also like doing the going to be sold out in advance. So. Yeah, they're also doing a, a VIP meet and greet session with both Christopher Daniels and Bill Alfonso. Uh, you can get a, a, an autograph or something from Fonzie for twenty, or one from Daniels for twenty five, or you can buy the package and get them both for thirty bucks. Like, yep, why it's a hell you? of a deal. I mean, yeah. yep, yep. So yeah, so uh, so if if that's your vibe, definitely check that out. Now, guys, let's uh, we we spent some time talking about awesome pro wrestling here in Fargo. God, we're so glad you're here, man. This is uh, <laughs> it's uh, I I I would not be able to fulfill my wrestling itch without Time Bomb Pro, and that's awesome. 
Uh, so that, that today, makes me very happy to hear. Yeah, so today we're talking about, uh, as we have started to branch out a little bit uh, every now and then with some special episodes uh, getting away from specifically just Shutter films, we decided that since we were going to be talking to Eric from Time Bomb Pro Wrestling, uh, that we would talk about uh, a recently released film uh, that definitely falls into the horror and horror-adjacent genre, uh, a film by M. Night Shyamalan called Knock at the Cabin, starring the animal Dave Batista, uh, former WWE pro wrestling star, uh, the animal Dave. Uh, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, uh, I drunkenly purchased a Dave Batista action figure for Michelle's husband at the last Time Bomb Pro Show. Uh, because <laughs> because earlier <laughs> in the evening I drunkenly talked him out of buying it for himself because I was like I could totally get that for you cheaper, and then I was like oh I feel bad and then I drunk oh man drunkenness happens at time bomb shows occasionally guys make sure you have a sober driver if you're going you never know what's going to happen. I said Friday happen. off. I am absolutely going to the bar with them after this time. Hell yeah, 100%. Duffies. Even but, if John is sick again, he yeah. can stay home. The after parties at Duff's are legendary. So, uh, and that's uh, like that's another. I, I don't mean to get back off the movie, but that's another rad thing about time bomb shows, right? Like they'll tell you just right at the end of the show, hey, you guys, if you want to come hang out, we're gonna be at Duffy's getting smashed. Come chill, meet the wrestlers, have a good time, right? I will also I- I immediately say because they give you that opportunity, uh, don't be a dickhead, right? <laughs> you know, yeah. be cool. But uh, it's it's a good time, man. Everybody's welcome. So. Uh, so we're talking about Knock at the Cabin, starring pro wrestler, former pro wrestler Dave Bautista. Uh, Eric, what's your opinion of Dave Bautista as a pro wrestler? As a pro wrestler, um, I'm kind of indifferent to his wrestling. I think his theme is incredible. The entrance is incredible. Once the bell rings, I'm kind of not as interested. Sure. Bautista bomb, cool as hell, but... If you told me to name a memorable Batista match, I don't think I could do it. <laughs> like, only, um, the only one I can think of is actually the the triple threat that they had between the Shield and the reunited uh, Evolution with uh, Triple H and Batista and uh, and Orton. Uh, that six that's man ringing tag a bell, was but nuts. <laughs> but I've, I've at this point I've definitely watched more Dave Batista movies than I have his wrestling matches. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Michelle, what do you think of Dave Batista as a pro wrestler? I have zero opinion because I can't remember a single thing about Dave Bautista as the wrestler. <laughs> All right, no I know Dave Bautista as the guy from Guardians in the Galaxy of the Galaxy. That's fair. That is where he really popped up on my radar. I went, "This guy's pretty funny," and people went, "He's a wrestler," and I went, "No, yeah. no way." So I've definitely seen him <laughs> Why more would I put my as an actor. I, <laughs> I can't even name a single match. Well, I don't even know if I've ever seen him. Well, that's not important because we're here to talk about yep. Dave Batista, the actor, and his film Knock at the Cabin. The way we always start these out is we, we give a few quick spoiler-free thoughts and then a rating out of five skulls. Uh, Michelle, also, do you want? Do we, did we find a description of the movie that's not terribly spoilery? I did find a good descriptive script. The okay. IMDb one is not too bad. Go ahead. Give it to these people then. Here's how the movie <clears> is <throat> described on the Internet Movie Database. Knock, knock at the cabin. While vacationing, a girl and her parents are taken hostage by armed strangers who demand that the family make a choice to avert the apocalypse. Ooh, 
the apocalypse. Ooh. I like that because it's as vague as the trailer was. <laughs> um, that does not tell you anything about what they're actually doing, and I like that description. Yeah, I think I'm that's good if you uh, somehow so... have not seen a trailer or heard anything. That's, so... that's a good way to sum it up. So then, Michelle, why don't you uh, go ahead, since we've been sort of yammering on here, why don't you give us your spoiler-free thoughts to begin with? Okay. Uh, like so many other episodes, I'm mixed. But this one is mixed for different reasons, because immediately after the movie got done, I thought, wow, that's a 4 or a 4.25. That was pretty solid. I've been mad at M. Night Shyamalan over the last couple years. I still have not forgiven him for Lady in the Water, but I have been a very, very strict M. Night Shyamalan defender. Old is where he really lost me. I was pissed off after that movie. I had to keep pausing it. So this one, I was like, wow, he, he won me back. We'll go with the 4.25. And then I read the book. And now I'm angry again. Uh, so I will give it the higher score because it was my first impression. I don't think a lot of people will read the book afterwards. And we'll go with the 4.25. Uh, spoiler warning that I will be completely ruining the book. So if you yeah. plan on like listening to an audiobook or reading the audiobook, uh, you might want to. Right. The spoiler section like, will involve yeah. both the movie and oh, yeah. the book. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, I got to get into it. And so how many skulls, Michelle? 4.25 as the movie not the movie we should have gotten right on uh so eric overall what were your spoiler free thoughts and rating for knock at the cabin out of five skulls um so like michelle said it's rare that you watch a trailer for a movie and you don't have the entire thing ruined for you so going into it i had no idea what to expect which is really cool like um my spoiler free review of it is I think this might be my favorite Dave Batista performance. I don't know if that's a hot take or not. Um, you know, I might save all my thoughts for the spoiler review because I feel like I'm just going to yeah, ruin everything because I'm not very, I'm not very oh, yeah. uh, obscure with my thoughts. So I'm going to give it four <laughs> out of five. I There was a little bit that I wish maybe would have happened, but overall I was happy with it. Right on, right on. So four out of five from Eric, 4.25 out of five from Michelle. I'm glad you guys like this movie because I thought it was dumb as dicks. Two skulls. Yeah. We were trying to guess. We had no Two idea, skulls. but I thought you would find it hokey. So that puts us Two at skulls. a, for the first time ever, an average rating and I'm here to tell you 3.416 repeating out I'm, of five skulls. I'm here to tell you, Michelle, uh, uh -huh. I, much like you, if I was basing my review of this film on uh, uh, my knowledge of what the book, uh, what the story is in the book compared to the movie, it would be even lower. Even lower. Yep. <laughs> All right. Yep. So uh, if you guys then want to see the movie or read the book before you get into the spoilers here, uh, you are going to want to hit the pause button on this episode uh, right about uh, now-ish. All right, so did you come back? I hope you came back. We got spoilers to talk about. Michelle, uh, why don't you do that lovely thing you do where you take us through a, a, a bit of a summary for the people who didn't bother to go watch the movie or anything, uh, and then you start off with some of your thoughts because, again, Eric and I have been kind of on the go. Also, I have to go find out what the damn dog is barking at. <laughs> okay, I'll, so I'll you make take this a it from here. Longer. I will be listening. 
Okay, sounds good. So uh, for those of you who are not familiar with the movie and did not watch it and do not plan on watching it, uh, basically there are two fathers, Eric and Andrew, who have a little adopted daughter named Wen. And uh, Wen is outside collecting grasshoppers. And this gentle giant named Dave Batista, a.k.a. Leonard, comes walking up to her. And he's talking to her and asking her questions. And she's like, I shouldn't talk to strangers. And he's like, but we'll be friends, not strangers. And that's stranger danger kids do not talk to Dave Batista <laughs> if he tells you you'll be friends with him and you are a little adorable five-year-old girl um so then uh eventually some more people come walking up including Ron Weasley and if Ron Weasley's at your door you should fucking run so when goes inside she tells her dad's like oh my god there's people out there and everybody's like whoa those people are coming to kill us everybody batting down the hatches and then uh all the people break in and there are four of them including Dave Batista and Ron Weasley and two other people I was not familiar with but did a great job one of them uh looked like the girl from saturday night live whose name is jenny slate and she was not jenny slate her name was abby quinn and that's a disappointment um but so then they uh handcuff or tape or whatever rope uh the two dads into separate chairs it's not a kinky thing uh they just do that to keep them uh contained and then they tell them okay the world's gonna end unless you as a family make a decision to kill one of your family members and if you do that the entire world will be saved and they're like hell no we're not doing that you're dave, dave batista you are not a, a good person to listen to when it comes to advice on the apocalypse and dave Batista's like but i'm a teacher and i teach uh i coach basketball and they're like that's not good enough bro and then they're like you didn't make a decision and they fucking kill ron weasley <laughs> and then ron weasley's <laughs> dead which is great because ron weasley with a weird southern racist uh accent was strange so i'm glad they did that first um, and then they just keep killing one by one uh, because they don't make a decision. But then Jonathan Groff, being the delightful man who we all know him to be, he's like, you can kill me. I'll make the sacrifice. And then they do. And everything's just fucking fine for the when and her daddy, uh, daddy, Andrew. daddy Andrew. They're just fine now. Uh, and then they hear a song on the radio and they're like, this is a happy ending, I guess. And that's the movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh that's a whole lot to to digest all at once, but uh, <laughs> uh, so I don't know who wants to go first here. Uh, oh, I would love to. All right, Michelle, tell us. Uh, well, we sh- should we start out by discussing now the differences between the movie and the book, or should we talk about the movie oh, a little bit yet. first? Okay, the, the movie a little bit. Otherwise, I'm gonna go off. All right, go ahead, gotta, Michelle. You start us off I talking about the, talking about the look. Here's let me tell you, I, I, I said the movie was dumb as dicks, right? Here's one of my biggest problems with the movie right from the get-go. None of this dialogue sounds like anything real human beings would ever say. Like, I'm not saying these aren't things that they would talk about. I'm saying their specific vocabulary, their choice of words, the way their sentences are structured... Every single bit of this feels like it was written by a seventh grader who was really trying to impress his teacher with his fancy language. And I say that as someone who was a super nerdy seventh grader who really tried to impress his teachers with his fancy language. Like, not like go back and listen to some of these sentences and you will immediately be like, like, okay, I understand what he's saying, but no real person would ever say it like that. Uh, And that happens throughout this whole movie with every character. I hate the dialogue in this movie. 
The other okay. thing uh, that I really about hate about then. the movie <laughs> is that uh, I just... It's this very M. Night Shyamalan thing of like, oh, were they really uh, harbingers of the apocalypse? Did killing Daddy Andrew actually save everything? Or was it all just a bunch of coincidences? We'll never know, and it doesn't really matter anyway, because all that matters is what you believe. Fuck that. I want to know what happened, man. I want to know who those fucking people were. I want to know, were they really, like, I want to know. And it's just, like, it's one of, it's so obviously trying to be like, oh, well, it's all up to you. You decide. And, I, man, just write a fucking story and make some decisions. That's all, I, that's all I want you to do. And frankly, uh, uh, once we start talking about the book itself and how the story plays out in the book, that is a much better fucking story. Uh, but yeah, this just, I don't know, it was just so empty. It never hooked me at all. I didn't believe a word anybody was saying. Uh, it was, uh, I, thought, uh, I thought Dave was super cool in it. I thought he gave this performance as like, it's this very, like, like, timid almost and like like he's this huge guy who could clearly rip both of your arms off but uh he's he's also like almost reminded me like not all the way but like almost like like Lenny from of mice and men right there's an innocence and a simplicity to him like he is he so well plays a man who has he has no idea how big and intimidating he is he is just uh, it, it was a really interesting uh, performance. I thought he did great. Jonathan Groff is awesome. Uh, the little kid was good, but again, none of what she said sounded like anything a little child would say. Uh, it just, I, uh, I watched the movie twice, and I have to ask myself why. Okay, I ranted. I didn't intend to do that. It, this happens all the time, Eric. I tell Michelle to go ahead and start us off, and then I just ramble. I apologize. Did you see that I pulled out my clipboard so I could start writing down my responses <laughs> yeah, she's take instead notes. of trying? Uh, so yeah, I, I think <laughs> I got and, my clipboard. ultimately, like like I said, I I don't uh, uh, it, it, two skulls, right? I, I didn't out and out hate it. It's not the scariest sixty first. It's not the twin. It's not the room, right? I, it's not any of those movies. No, right, but it the just. Curse. <laughs> it just, uh, yeah, I just, it didn't do anything for me at all. Okay, I'm going to put this microphone down. You guys talk for a while. I have changed my position, and I would like to go last because there is nothing I can respond to without discussing the book. Okay. So, Eric. <laughs> so, uh, go ahead, Eric. Tell us a little bit about how you felt about the film. Okay, so responding to your thoughts about Big Dave's performance here, I honestly think that Dave Batista carried this movie I think he carried it single-handedly on his back. Um, I think a lot of the, like, I totally get what you mean with the dialogue. Um, maybe I just liked the way Dave Batista looked as such a, like, they made Dave Batista look so fucking big compared to how oh, I yeah. normally see him. Yeah. So I don't know if it was just the way that he came off that I was, like, so obsessed with it that I didn't really consider his dialogue. But I did think the rest of it sucked. Um Redmond, I think his name was Ron Weasley's character. Yeah. Um, yep. Probably the most like first kill character I've ever seen. I hated it. I hated the little subplot that went along with him. Um, that was like yeah, a big complaint like for me. Tacked I was just... on 
just to try it. Look, frankly, it felt like they were just more than anything I've seen in a long time. Like they were just trying to shoehorn in the socio-political element of, of like, you know, uh, uh, anti-LGBTQ uh, violence and that sort of thing. It felt very forced. Uh, it just felt like it that. felt lazy because yeah, it was like, yeah. oh, of, of course, the, the southern redneck guy is like, he did a hate crime. Like, cool. Like, can yeah. we just like not include that? Like, I, I'd be totally down for the like what you just said if it wasn't so like lazy. Like, yeah. I think that's just the best yeah, way exactly. to put it. Um, Yeah, I mean, as far as like the the whole you figure it out for yourself. I had a few twists in mind and neither of them happened. And at the end I was just kind of like, um, I don't know. And like all in all, I enjoyed the movie. I think I should read the book because I think the story there is good. I just didn't think it was delivered as well as it could have been, which I can't wait to hear your guys' thoughts about the book because that's probably going to make me read the book. I don't care if you spoil it or anything like that. But no, oh, yeah. um, books can be spoiled. To be clear, stuff. I haven't yeah. myself actually read the book. I just read the plot summary of the book from Wikipedia, okay, yeah. and even just from that, I think it's a much better story. Yeah, um, I mean, like the twist, the main twist that I was expecting was like, oh, these aren't the four horsemen of the apocalypse. It was just some crazy motherfuckers, and like nothing happened, and right. You, Killed it. You killed like, your husband. Like, for like no Andrew reason. was going to be right. Like, these were really just some weirdos who met each other online and shit got yeah. way out of fucking hand. Uh, or I, the other twist, the other twist I was expecting was like, they get to that diner and everybody's dead and like they waited too long and the apocalypse came. Like, that's right. kind of what I was hoping for at the end of it when I realized that it wasn't like a crazy cult, but I don't know. I definitely like the movie. There's just a lot that could have been done to make it better, right. which feels weird considering I gave it a four out of five. Well, no, and, and like I said, I, I did enjoy Dave uh, in the movie. I, there was something about his, again, his presence, ju- like the, his his personality and his, his presence juxtaposed against, like you said, how fucking big they make him look. Like he's a big dude to begin with. Yeah. But they made him huge in this movie. Um, uh, I was about to ask you the, the, what I, the one sort of twist that I thought might be building up here is, so they've got Andrew who definitely doesn't believe anything these people are saying. And then you have, uh, daddy Eric, uh, who, uh, he, just even from the beginning, he has a little bit of like, you know, he's the guy, they have the flashback where, uh, Andrew tells him, you know, if you want to pray, it's okay. Like they establish that he has a little bit more. Of a, of a religious foothold. Uh, and uh, what I thought might be happening is I thought they might have built to a thing where Eric has expressed that he's willing to be the one to die. Andrew refuses to do it. And then there's that moment where the girl runs off to the, uh, to the, the tree house for a while. Like, I thought what was going to happen is at some point uh, the girl was going to come back and kill Eric because Andrew wouldn't do it. Uh, and that that would kind of be like the, oh, God, we turned this little girl into a murderer sort of thing. I'm glad they didn't do that, but I really got this feeling that that might be something that they were pushing towards. Uh, but, yeah, just the the whole, uh, yeah, they just, uh, you know, they did all these things, and now everything is fine, and literally the only thing we didn't do is just say specifically whether or not it was all coincidence or not, and that annoys the shit out of me because you could have resolved that issue very very simply so was 
was Eric the one who saw like death when they were killing? Uh, yeah, Ron he's Weasley he's off? the one who said he saw something okay. in the light. Which, by the way, yeah. on the second time through the movie, I paid special attention. I didn't see shit in the light. I don't know about you guys. I didn't see shit in the you light. You didn't? Nope. Oh, no, I, I mean, like I I paused it, and you can like pretty clearly see like a shitty version of the Grim Reaper. Well, God damn it! Now <laughs> I gotta go back and look at this fucking thing. Uh, I have to pay $20 to rent it. No. <laughs> no, I paid $25 to buy it because if I'm going to pay 20 to rent it, I might as well pay 5 more to buy it. Okay. Yeah, JD's uh, the MVP charge here. So here's what I know. Here's what I know is I know that before we started recording this episode, Michelle had a long and heated argument about this movie and about the book with uh, a friend of oh, ours. Yeah. Uh, and I know she has a lot of thoughts. So, Michelle, we have just yeah. stormed all over this podcast. I'm so sorry. It's incredibly disrespectful <laughs> of you. I'll try to be better in the future. But Wait, uh, incredibly disrespectful of you is what you said. How dare you let me storm all over? Oh, is that what I said? Um, <laughs> disrespectful towards yeah. you is what I meant to say. I'm sorry, Jesus. I like I, you being like, how dare I you? I suck at this. <laughs> Uh, okay, so legitimately, please, yeah. I think I've really said oh, everything yeah. I need to say about the movie. Michelle, okay. the floor is yours. The rest oh. of the episode belongs to you. Tell us everything you have to say. Okay, sounds good. So uh, the friend that I had this debate with was my friend Jenna. Hey, Jenna, I know you're listening. What up? Um, she was a huge fan of the book. And then we went to the movie together and I was going to read the book afterwards, which I did. And then I texted her my reaction and I said that I hated it. And then we happened to see each other that night or the next night. And we just got into it for Wait, like 15 to 20 you minutes. You hated the book? Oh, hang on. Hang on. Oh, okay. You said I get to talk. <laughs> Put your microphone <laughs> down. I will get to it. Well, uh, and then I, I, uh, you said a thing that I, I'm sorry. I know. Okay, go ahead. I know. So uh, we argued for like 15 to 20 minutes while people waited for us to stop so that we could continue watching the video game playthrough that we had all been enjoying until that moment. Um, and now we figured out our compromise on the book and neither of us are satisfied with the ending. Um, so here's the thing. Batista, great obviously he's so good uh the language that he uses was very true of an elementary school teacher and that's why i like the way that he simplifies it he doesn't talk like a normal person does he talks as though he is speaking to a child all the time i have friends who are teachers that's how they are they can't help it and so i liked his dialogue options i thought he was so endearing and his size in comparison to his behavior was just wonderful it was such this contrast so i think we are all in agreement that batista fucking nailed it it is great good job batista the dialogue jd you said you hated the dialogue the dialogue is word for word from the book from the entire first half of the movie is 100 as though they read the book and just said those lines and then continued on their actions are the exact same what's weird is that the things they choose to 
change are tiny and insignificant. Um, for example, in the movie, when uh, does this thing where one of the fathers tells her to do what she did at Thanksgiving and she starts throwing a tantrum so that everybody's distracted. In the book, what happens is that when legitimately gets upset because she remembers she had the jar of grasshoppers outside and she didn't take them out. So what if they died overnight because they're still stuck in a jar? And so that was the way that they changed that. And it's like, why did you make that change? It's those kinds of things. Or like uh, they're playing that game where, uh, what was it? Like they're pulling petals from the flower or whatever and asking each other questions. And in either the movie or the book, um, when proposes it versus Batista and vice versa. So they changed who started that, yet the dialogue is the exact same. It's very weird that like they chose to do it a hundred percent exactly like the book and then change these tiny details and i have questions about that because why is it exactly shot for shot like she's mad at the balcony door because she can't put it back up like those tiny details are included in both so it's odd um then things go very very different uh for people who have not read the book uh long story short adrian who is the first woman who would be killed so the second person she gets very very upset this is not going her way um there's the struggle in the van over the gun all of that is kind of similar but then they accidentally shoot and kill when which in the book is also heartbreaking because the book is done in first person it just changes perspective so it'll do when's perspective from first person and then it'll do eric's perspective from first person and with when she hears a big bang and then she stops or and then she hears nothing else or something like that is the line that's used and then we switch to eric's perspective which is him realizing his daughter was just shot and killed and it is such a unbelievable moment that it really sticks with you and so it's very very upsetting and then Batista is the one who is killed so now we're left with Sabrina as the final of these four one of the things that happens in the book that is incredible is we get all of that fucking backstory that we didn't get in the movie they included so much stuff that we didn't need that then it becomes infuriating how much stuff that they didn't include in the movie why didn't we need the grasshoppers and the flower game but we didn't need to know the four horsemen of the apocalypse that came out of fucking nowhere at the end of this thing in the the book he's saying like don't you tell me you're the four horsemen of the apocalypse that's ridiculous and she's like no i have to explain it's like no i teach religious studies they like go into it and it's ridiculous whereas in the mood uh the ending jonathan groff's like yeah they're the four horsemen that's just how it is and it's fucking stupid um redmond subplot is another thing where they deviate in a weird way where in the book it is not clear that it was a hate crime he was drunk at a bar uh andrew was sitting with one of his straight friends and all of a sudden got bashed in the back of the face with a bottle and they said that it must have been targeted because uh he yelled out the f slur and he says no i'm just a drunken idiot and i say that about everybody and andrew's saying i don't know how he would have even known that i'm gay so it's this whole thing of like what the fuck was that about is he uh doing a hate crime or is he just a shitty human in all the other aspects of his life and not the hate crime on top of it and then they just completely spell it out in the movie instead and that's weird we get all the ids in the van confirming all these people are who they said they are in the movie for no fucking reason but not explain the four horsemen thing uh okay the end 
the end. Uh, I'm glad that I have had a couple weeks to, <laughs> to calm down about this, even though it does not seem like I'm very calm. Uh, so Sabrina says she will show them where the car keys are. So Eric and Andrew follow her. Uh, she's still like roped up or something. Um, and they are carrying Gwen's body. And so they're having all this dialogue back and forth, this conversation. The backstory comes out via this walk to the van. Um, and then all of a sudden, she uh, starts freaking out and saying, no, I'm trying to help them. I'm trying to help them and runs off into the woods. She picks up the keys, but pulls out a bag and says, I have no idea where this bag came from, pulls out a gun. And she goes, somebody must have hidden this here. And she had been explaining how they physically could not resist what they were doing. She had no intention of getting on the plane to fly out to this cabin. And suddenly she's on the plane. She hadn't packed the bag. She had no intention of going. She didn't call into work nothing they are physically compelled to do this that's why she shoots batista she's mid-conversation and all of a sudden fucking kills him and she's like sorry couldn't help it like they are physically unable to resist and it's apparent in the book and that's something that would have been a nice fucking addition and night Shyamalan, who i'm still mad at about the lady in the cat or lady in the cabin lady in the water and old two of the worst movies i have seen in my entire fucking life directed by the same person um so they get out to the woods. Sabrina grabs the keys and the gun and she's like, oh God, because she realizes what's probably going to happen. And then she uh, tells them they still have time and shoots herself in the face. Eric and Andrew are having this conversation back and forth and Eric is doing the thing where he's like, she might have been right. I thought I saw an angel. And Andrew's like, you're fucking crazy. I love you. Don't do this. And then uh, I think Eric had the gun up to his head or something and Andrew steps forward and puts his head against Eric's and then they just end. It is not apparent whether it was, you know, you're talking about how you don't like the aspect of was it real? It is definitely no idea in the book. This, I feel like, gave you a little bit more argument that, yes, this was kind of happening. They definitely try to shift the tone, even if it's not believable. The book, 110%, I have no idea because there's not stuff happening that we see. It just ends with them saying, we will go through this whatever comes and then it's just done they never see any sort of wrap up you don't know what the fuck happened um why i find that unsatisfying and upsetting uh aside from when dying just because i hated it i hated it so much i know why they did it i just hated it from like an emotional perspective was that in the way that both the movie and the book ends I'm unsatisfied because the movie tried to give us a happy ending and the book gave us basically no ending. It just said, here's how things are. Their daughter's dead, but nothing else really changed and we don't know anything. And it felt so incomplete. What I wanted was a really, really, uh, like this would just be my wish list after having an argument with Jenna for 15 to 20 minutes while we were ruining a party, um, would have been both of them dying because I thought when he was holding the gun to his own head and then Andrew put his head against his, I thought they were going to kill each other together with the single gun, die together, make the ultimate sacrifice to the world that their entire family was wiped out for something that they thought they were doing a good thing for um so i thought that would have made a lot more of a poignant thing if they killed each other and then the book ended i would have been like well shit it doesn't matter because it doesn't matter to them their entire family is dead um it doesn't matter whether it was real or not they did it because they thought it was real and my other thing that i would have accepted and been okay with would have been eric killing andrew because eric was the one who wanted to die he had to convince andrew that 
uh, he was the one who had to die. Andrew was not going to kill himself. And I think in the movie they say that you can't kill yourself. So Eric couldn't even, I think that might be in the book too, Eric can't kill himself. It won't count. It has to be a sacrifice you are making of somebody. And I thought uh, this would have worked a lot better in the movie when Wen was still alive would have been Eric deciding that this is too important and killing the person he loves so much, which would have been Andrew. He's making that sacrifice. And in both cases, he would have been, uh, you know, in the book, it would have been he lost his entire family. So again, a huge sacrifice that matters um, versus in the movie, if he had done that and he knew he just killed Wen's other father and now they had to live with this. I think any way that this ended, I would have needed a much more devastating ending that felt like it meant something. The movie just tried to wrap it up as a happy thing, even though all of this tragedy has happened in their life. And they're like, oh, but we're hearing our song on the radio. I'm like, that's not a good ending. That's not a happy ending, no matter how you're trying to wrap it up. But it's also not devastating enough for me to care. You don't seem to care that Eric is dead. Why should I care? Not Both of you are like more shocked than anything. And you're just like, yeah, whatever. Like they're so indifferent. And yet the book, because neither of them made a willing sacrifice their daughter is dead and that's upsetting but it's also not like they just said you know when's dead so our lives are over it doesn't matter what we do they just said we love each other so much that we'll stay together and it felt like that didn't mean anything either see that's interesting so what i want to uh bring up right away about that is uh so like i said i haven't actually read the book uh, but I, I like I read the Wikipedia summary plot summary of the book. I want to read to you the final paragraph of that summary, which explains at least for me in detail why I think the way the book ends is significantly better. Uh, what it says is the couple follows Sabrina into the forest, taking Wen's body. Sabrina recovers the car keys and a gun that Redmond hid. She tells Eric there is still time to prevent the apocalypse and commits suicide before she can be further compelled. Eric considers taking his own life, but Andrew argues that even if the apocalypse is real, he refuses to obey a god that does not accept Wen's death as enough. They decide that neither wants to leave the other alone by dying. Grief-stricken, Eric and Andrew head for Redmond's car with Wen's body, deciding to stay together through whatever comes. So to me, the crucial element of this whole thing is it becomes a, a, a morality play, right? The reason why the way that ending of the book works for me uh, is because, first of all, yeah, fuck that guy. It, it, like, I have to choose to kill somebody I love to save the rest of the world? No, fuck that guy. That's I'm, I'm not playing that game. I like that decision more. I think it makes more sense. I don't know that I like the idea of when dying, but it does facilitate getting to that point. So for me, even though the way the book ends, there's still no confirmation one way or the other about uh, whether or not any of it was real or, or not, whether it was really happening. The way it, it, it becomes more of a, a, a story about their decision to say, no, we are not going to participate in this. Uh, we are not going to kill one of, one or, uh, of the other. Uh, we're just going to, I mean, if this is the way it's going to be, this is the way it's going to be. And we're just going to let it happen. Uh, if, and if it does happen, it does. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And and that, to me, uh, is a more fulfilling statement than what we get in the movie, which is, uh, again, and this is, 
something that I like M night Shyamalan just loves stories about the value of belief. Uh, I like, like that's basically what, uh, uh, the fucking, the, the, that signs movie is, uh, the village, like so many uh, the happen, like so many of his movies Devil. are just about, yeah, they're just about the power of belief. Right. And so clearly what he did is he took this mo- this story from the book that was, I feel, at least from what I understand of it, more of a morality play about that choice and being put in that situation and how would you respond to it uh, and turned it into a, oh, well, yeah, I mean, maybe something, you know, maybe we should do this, maybe we shouldn't. It, he basically completely inverts the point of the story from... Uh, no, it doesn't matter if this is real or not. Fuck that. We're not going to kill either one of us into, uh, well, doesn't matter if it was real or not. We, we believed it might be, so we had to do it. And, uh, you know, whether it was a coincidence or not, we killed that guy and then all the bad stuff stopped happening. So yay us, I guess that's just a completely bullshit story to me. Uh, it's it's uh, uh, you're, I, I agree with you completely. Uh, the way they react at the end is completely unbelievable. Uh, I just uh, from what I and again, having not read the book, I can't say for sure. But based on that summary, I, I feel like that's a much more satisfying idea of this story. Also, just simply because I personally agree with that morality of no, fuck you. Let everybody die. I don't care. I'm not going to do it. I agree that the book ending is better than we got in the movie. I just was unsatisfied both ways. <laughs> that, no, that's fair. That's fair. So if I had to have one, the book ending was better, but I fucking hate that Wen died. I hated it. I yeah. hated it so much. It does seem I a little aggressive. A message, yeah, I sent a message in the group chat of people who had gone to it with me, and I was like, I got to a certain point. The movie is better. I hate this. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, God. And then at the end, I think I didn't like the, like, uh, refusing to obey a god that doesn't accept Wen's death because I hated so much that Wen had died in the first place that That's I fair. wasn't going to accept that as justification for the ending. That's it fair. didn't feel like a, a death that meant anything. It was just a sad thing for no apparent reason. <laughs> I know why it happened, but I hate it. Right on. Right <laughs> she was on. adorable. I hated it. <laughs> oh, so uh, uh, oh. that's uh, that's knock at the cabin slash the cabin at the end of the can world. I, yes. Can I give my thoughts at the end really quick? Absolutely, yes. you can. Absolutely. Okay. Us... Dave's just done. <laughs> I'm just done with Dave. So... Uh, I'm not done with Dave Batista. I'm de- fucking done with M. Night Shyamalan. God damn it. Oh, I thought, I, thought I learned my lesson when he made that stupid fucking movie about the plants killing everybody. Uh, and then I <laughs> did not, clearly. You know what this movie needed? Mark Wahlberg instead of Dave Bautista. Would have just amped it up so much better. <laughs> oh, God. Anyway, Eric, go okay. ahead, please. Um, after hearing Michelle's recap of the book, um, I think I would have hated that ending more, if we're being honest. Um, no, I lie think, to me. <laughs> <laughs> I think when dying in the movie would have been like a jolt of energy that this movie needed. Like halfway through, I think it would have... I don't know. I think it would have helped a lot, but I think the only way to end the movie that would have left me like satisfied would have been when dying and one of the dads dying because it's like you said, like how do you celebrate at the end when like one of them is dead 
like just end the movie depressing and just have one of them left well, like how does it mm-hmm. make sense that they're happy at the end like i uh i i see that point but that also of course brings me back to something that you had mentioned earlier uh where uh, i think this and this is this is it's also rooted in that like the movie has to end a certain way right and if the ending doesn't work it can destroy the entire story but that thing you yeah. mentioned where they pull off it to go into the diner and had they gone in and just everybody's fucking dead and it didn't solve anything and shit just <laughs> continues to collapse into chaos. I probably could have gotten behind that. Uh, but I also honest... could have too. I wanted devastation at the end of this movie or, you know what? or both. Just devastate me. Fuck it. Just make it a really depressing movie. Have only one of the dads left and nothing worked. Like, just, <laughs> like at least like yeah, we only had to kill feel... one of them. We killed two of them and it still didn't solve anything. <laughs> at least make me feel something at the end other than like, oh, I guess that happened. Like, right. I, don't, yeah. I don't know. The ending just made no sense to me with like trying to make it a happy ending. Like, yeah. I, I don't know. So yeah, I, that, are my, uh... that are my thoughts after those are my thoughts after hearing uh, Michelle recap the book. For sure. For sure. Yeah, That's, either way, uh... it's not. It's yeah. no bueno. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> you know, again, uh, Strong work from Dave Batista in this movie. Uh, uh, it's and of course, look, I remind you of this all the time. We're just some people with some fucking opinions, right? You may see the movie and love it. I mean, who the fuck are we? But uh, yeah, I did before I read the book. Right, and I was just upset at I, everybody. I think, <laughs> I think at the very least, it's like proof that Dave Batista can lead a movie. Yeah, and hopefully, it hopefully it leads to more because like. What was the name of that zombie movie that he was in or whatever? Army of... Army uh... of the Dead? Yeah, 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 whichever Army one that was. I almost that... went with the Army of Darkness, but I knew that was <laughs> No, it was not Army of Darkness. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was hoping that that would be, like, a big push for Batista to be, like, a lead guy, but it obviously wasn't. But, like, I don't know. I feel like this movie is, like, okay as it was. I hope it leads to more Dave Batista lead movies because he can definitely do it. Um, I don't know if oh, you've yeah. seen, uh, he did a, a movie for either like Hulu or, or Amazon Prime maybe a year or so ago called My Spy. Uh, that's more of a, a comedy movie where it's, he's like a, a CIA agent or something and he gets like matched up with this little girl, like so, you know, the oh. fourth grader or whatever. It's super fun. Uh, I mean, more, more comedy than dramatic. Uh, but I, I really enjoyed him in that. Uh, I, I thought he was really really good in Glass Onion, that new Knives Out movie. Uh, oh, I thought yeah. he was fantastic there. Uh, so, like, clearly uh, has the comedic chops down. Uh, but I agree with you. I, I definitely... And he's been talking about it more, obviously, recently as well, uh, wanting to, to get more opportunities to really stretch his legs and, and expand his, uh, uh, his acting vocabulary. And I, I think there's... There's definitely, I hope people look at this and say, yeah, that's a guy that I think could carry this movie uh, and bring him in to, to do more stuff. Uh, I just hope they uh, they give him uh, more believable dialogue to work with. <laughs> My Spy 2 coming out. It's There's a My Spy 2? Right yeah, I'm on his IMDb page. I was curious what he's got. Oh, uh, yeah, My Spy 2 pre-production right now. <laughs> awesome. And you can catch My Spy on Prime, which I never watched, but now that I know that it's actually good and it's Batista, yeah, sure. Sweet. Yeah, I'll go watch. Going to have to add that what one to the list. Do? Yeah. Oh. 
I so, have to watch like a hundred movies every month. Add that to the list. <laughs> so uh, that's uh, that's this knock at the cabin, Michelle. What are we going to be talking about on our next episode of We Watch Shutter? It's going to be an actual Shutter movie coming up in just a couple of days. What is it? Yeah, and I I hope that it is not as uh, breathtaking as this one because I got tired. Um, it is <laughs> Dearest Sister, which is an older exclusive from the catalog because we do not have a new uh, Shutter movie out this week. So yeah, so that's your homework, Dearest Sister. Uh, if you want to drop us a message, we're on uh, Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, uh, all of them at We Watch Shutter. Check out WeWatchShutter dot com. Eric, plug your show. Yeah, so Thursday, March 16th, next week at the Sanctuary Event Center, Time Bomb Pro Wrestling presents Here to Stay, featuring a massive barbed wire main event between Badger Briggs and Damon Spriggle. Um, the feud is going to end no matter what. We're going to have to pull them out of the barbed wire. That's how we're going to end that feud. Um, Christopher Daniels, Colt Cabana, Bryce Remsburg, Bill Alfonso. It's kind of like that Norm MacDonald meme, all the stars are here. Um going to be a fantastic night of wrestling there's so much on the card like it, just all over the place oh dude the Jordan... card is dope Koo uh, and Daniels uh, should be great uh, yep. Cannon and Colt Cabana are just a couple of road veterans who are going to put on a hell of a show uh, of course you got Brian Keith the champion defending the title against frontman Jossie that should be fucking great uh, yep. uh, Shane Black and Connor Hopkins uh, could steal the show. Those guys have both been putting in hard performances lately. Man, it's going to be uh, great. Hard. Oh, oh <laughs> shut up. Hard. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, it's also, I'm uh, I, I love that your kitty cat came to visit you while we were doing this. I, yeah, I had a doggo visitor. Yeah. Yeah, she Michelle's cat comes place. to visit sometimes, too. I was going to say, my cats are assholes, so they get locked out as long as I don't, as long as I uh, see them. Sometimes I'll be here and be like, sorry, Bug was hiding in my closet, and she just knocked everything over because she's mad that I'm ignoring her. So when I saw your cat come out, I was like, wow, that's really nice. Your cat's not ruining everything for you. Must be nice. Well, Eric, (laughs) Eric, thank you so much for joining us here. It's funny before we sat down to record, I was like, yeah, these usually run like between 30 and 40 minutes and we're about to hit 70 on this one, but it's all good. We had a lot of shit to talk about. We had a lot of shit to talk about. So again, thank you so much guys. Check out time bomb pro wrestling. Check out. We watch shutter.com. Say good night, Michelle. Good night, Michelle.